on that nose tackle. First down on the penalty, and Morris carries. He may go all the way. Touchdown, Giants. Fans in the Big Apple have always loved the home run hitter. And as Merlin indicated earlier, here's a guy that can score from any spot on the field. And Morris celebrating a sensational year with a banner first half. Ran so fast, he lost his shoe and that scamper for the goal line, Dick. Didn't slow him down a bit. Welcome back to Bleeding Blue, a show about the history of the New York football giants. You all right over there? Yeah, I got some money. My name's Justin Panic. Coming to you with one of my great friends, Nikki Snacks. Snacks, big, big episode today. Our first, Huge. First interview. First interview of the offseason. Yep. With Giants legendary running back, Joe Morris. Yeah, so I wouldn't say big. I'd say small. Because he's short. You know what? <laughs> sorry, Joe. Yeah. All right, Joe. He, Mr. He, Morris, I'm he's, sorry. He's heard that a lot in his, uh, in his life. He's, he's a good man. He's, he's a great, great man. Great man. We also had... Dinner with him. We, we did. He shared a meal. We broke bread with him. Yep. We. Oh, he sh- gave a lot of stories. Uh, shout out again, LPG. Uh, did a great event. You know, you guys saw the viral video and everything. Yeah. With the with the waiter. Yep. So it was a great thing, and Mr. Morris was nice enough to speak with Justin. So let's rip. Let's what rip. Do, what do we got today? Well, no, I wanna I wanna ask you about oh, just yeah. sharing you know sharing a meal with him because that was big too. That was really cool. You know, because we recorded the the portion that is recorded in the interview. It was at the Meadowlands Diner. Um Snacks is not in the interview. I just I just did the interview. But what did you think about having dinner with Joe Morris? Because I know especially he was your father's favorite player. Mothers. Mothers, excuse me. Uh you were in awe. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I was surely in awe. I mean you're sitting there Literally looking across from a Giants legend. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not just like some ordinary player, no. like some, you know, backup tight end or something. That's Joe Morris. He's a Super Bowl champion. Uh, he's, he was a phenomenal man. Um, I, I really, I, w- I was in awe. I, I don't think, I, I, I didn't talk much. I just wanted him to, to keep talking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the more stories he said, the more I was just wanting to listen and ask questions and, uh, it, overall, it was just really awesome. So I think you guys are going to love, love what uh, what he has to say. Yeah. So that's coming in the second part of the show. What's going to be the first part of the show, and we're going to do this really quick. We're gonna yes, it's going it. to be quick. Yep. Snacks Pantry. First, Snacks I, Pantry. I, I don't know if this is the first Snacks Pantry. We're not Snacks sure. Pantry. This is it. Yep. And we're going to go. So our topic for our pantry this week is the top five plays, not rushes, top five plays. New York Giants running backs. Mm. And let me preface by saying a couple things. One, there is no plays on this list from that quitting scumbag number 21. Mm-hmm. None. You can yep. say his name, so if anybody doesn't get it, say his name. Tiki Barber. I'm allowed to say his name. You're not. You're, I, there are no plays by him. None. Honestly, he could have been on like three of these. But he's not. Because he sucks. I hate him. He's a piece of shit. All right. And I was born in 1993. So this is my list, not Justin's. And I did my best to, to research old running backs like Rodney Hampton, OJ Anderson, all these guys. 
It was very difficult to find. So you're going to, you guys, I would love in the comments for you guys to tell me other plays by running backs from, from New York Giants history that should have made the list. Boom. Um, so that that's where we get you guys. But in, this in list hand. is correct. This list is absolutely correct. No, there's no faults in this list. None. And they're all, they're all meaningful plays. Yeah. So I'll give you that. And there's only, I'll, I'll give you another hint. There's only one that's not a touchdown. Only one that's not a touchdown. All right, that changes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. We'll gonna, start it off. We're going to rip through these five. My first guess, Snacks' Pantry, top five plays by Giants running backs. In his memory, his whatever, his brain. Big brain. Big I graduated brain. college. Ahmad Bradshaw, Buffalo Bills, 2007. That's a really good guess, Justin. It's not on there. That's number one. Ooh. Ahmad Bradshaw's 88-yard touchdown against Buffalo in the snowing, sleet, rain, wind, everything that you could have in Buffalo, Bills Mafia, where the em- the Giants emblem came off his helmet, and that touchdown sealed the win. And that win sealed us a berth in the playoffs in 2007, and as we know, the rest is history in that season. So, yes, Ahmad Bradshaw, 88-yard touchdown in Buffalo, that's number one. Good for me. The best play I've ever seen by a Giants running back. Good for me. All right, next one. I'm going to go with same thing with Ahmad Bradshaw. Touchdown against the Jets, 2011, where he just trucks a dude. You are doing really well, Justin. You are two for two. This is number five. Honestly, I should have it 1A, 1B because I love this play so much. Um, Ahmad Bradshaw, the Giants played the Jets. Christmas Eve 2011, and this is where you could argue the Dallas game with the block field goal JPP started it, but then they laid the egg against Washington, which we talked about last year in the whole run up into uh, Super Bowl 46. But uh, Ahmad Bradshaw destroyed Brodney Poole. He put him in a body bag. <laughs> he murdered him. Murdered him. I don't know if Brodney Poole has still gotten up from what Ahmad Bradshaw, all five foot eight of him, did to him. Uh, he bulldozed him. Right into the goal line and right into the end zone, and that was it. The Jets were dead after that. We killed the Jets. The Jets sucked. They haven't been the same since. I hate the Jets. Fuck them. Ahmad Bradshaw touchdown run, bulldozing Brodney Poole into the end zone. Touchdown Giants. That's number five. Oh wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's number four. It's number four. Big Sorry. big mistake on you. I have a lot of like arrows that I switch things around. Big, That's number four. Big mistake on your end. Um, no, I disagree. It's number four. It's on the list. That makes you look better. You got one and four. Brandon Jacobs had a really long big catch against the Dallas Cowboys. Seventy something, eighty. I want to say like seventy something yards. Okay. And that's what I, I don't. I can't. I can't remember the year. But that's what I'm going to go with, up like the left sideline. 2009, Dallas Cowboys, that's number two. And I was wondering which one you were going to pick because Brandon Jacobs had two catches of 70-plus yards against divisional rivals. Yes. Won the Cowboys, won the Eagles. Yes. The Eagles one was week three, which was a little bit, you know, whatever. And he was wide open. 2011. Uh, I'm sorry, 2011, yes. And he ran right into the end zone. He was wide open. Yeah. The one against the Cowboys, he broke like four tackles. Mm-hmm. It was a more difficult catch, and he did it. And Brandon Jacobs, as we know, not known for receiving. Right. He was a bulldozing, north-south running back. And not known for speed, but he needed speed he to needed get to the end He needed speed zone. on that one. And, and he, he got he, it. He, he, he broke tackles. He did everything he had to do. 
Brandon Jacobs touchdown 2009 versus Dallas. 74 yards on the sideline. Fuck Dallas. Miserable fucking fans. They should not be America's team. They haven't won shit in 26 years. The fact that we still call them America's team makes us losers. It makes America losers. What numbers do I have left? You have. So that's two. You got one and two, and you got four. You have three and five left. Three and five. Um, I think I'm. I think I'm gonna go Bradshaw two, and then I'm gonna guess for another Jacobs one. I'm, I think I'm gonna try and get the one non touchdown out of the way. This is a reach. First play of the 2007 NFC Championship game where Brandon Jacobs runs over. I believe it's Charles Woodson. It is Charles Woodson, Hall of Famer Charles Woodson. Yes. In negative 50-degree weather yes. in Lambeau Field. Is that it? Set the tone for the game. Really thought about it. Really, really thought about it. But it's not on the list. And you know what? There's going to there's gonna be a lot of arguments for number five. I don't think people are going to like number five. But I put it there for a specific reason because of how meaningful it was. But Brandon Jacobs, that run over Charles Woodson should be up there. And I also didn't want to do two Jacobs, two Bradshaws. So. Oh, okay, so this is not Jacobs. It is not Jacobs. It's I'll not, give you that hint. It's not Saquon, is it? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you can make an argument he might deserve it, but No, I can't. Um, I said meaningful touchdowns. So this is... Meaningful oh, plays. Wow, there you go. Shots. So we still haven't gotten the one non-touchdown play. Nope. And I don't know if I know it. That sucks. I don't know if I know it. You should know. You should know number three. This is very good stuff because I had everything in my head, and I and I want to save my final guess for the final. Because you know one. which one. I, I I know which I know which spoil one. Spoil alert! Spoil alert! No, don't spoil it. Save it. It's Joe Morris related. Um, <laughs> that was my spoiler <laughs> alert. All right, I need I need a hint. Okay, running back of in our lifetime, obviously. Yeah. Uh. The best Giants team we've ever seen. Derek Ward, 2008 Carolina Panthers, set us up for a touchdown in overtime. Yes, sir, Justin. That's number five. Very good. I gave a great hint because I'm a beast, I'm a great friend, and I'm the man. Derek Ward, 52-yard run in overtime. That set us up for the game-winning score against Carolina Panthers that inevitably gave us home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which we didn't need because we lost in the divisional round because Plexico shot himself in the cock. However, that was a huge run at the time, and we needed that win. And Derek Ward, I also wanted to put him on here because he meant a lot to that team. He was a 1,000-yard rusher. Yeah, uh, They were one of, I think, five tandems in the NFL history, him and Jacobs, that had over 1,000 yards. And that was a great run. Uh, overall, great season. So Derek Ward's 52-yard run in overtime against Carolina that set us up, that set Brandon Jacobs up for the game-winning score in overtime is number five. Number three. Number three. Joel Morris's 65-yard touchdown shoeless run against the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1985. That is correct, and it's funny because I wouldn't have put this on the list if we didn't meet Joe Morris That's that true. night. But uh, guess, but this is part of what we, you know, we're we're young people, but we have a Giants history podcast. We learned about this run. We learned about it yep. talking to Joe Morris. So it didn't come up in the interview, but that's why we're talking about it right Correct. now because we he, talked about it over dinner. Correct. He told he told us the story, and me and Justin immediately were like, okay, when we do this, we're like, we're gonna do a snacks pantry of the running back plays. We gotta and highlight this play. We gotta highlight this play, and we watched it, and it very well deserves to be. Yeah. Number three on this list. So Joe Morris' 65-yard touchdown run against the Steelers with one shoe 
which I guess would have made him what? Five, two? Shoeless Joe. One oh, yeah. Shoeless Joe. Good. Shoeless Joe. Wow, we both made good jokes there. So, yes, we got Ahmad Bradshaw's 88-yard rushing touchdown in Buffalo. Giants emblem off his helmet. Sealed the win and brought the Giants to the playoffs. We know the rest is history. Brandon Jacobs' touchdown reception against Dallas, 74 yards in 2009. We have Joe Morris' 65-yard touchdown run with one shoe at 5-2 uh, against the Steelers. Then we have Brodney Poole getting fucking murdered. Murdered on Christmas Eve. His family hasn't recovered. He hasn't recovered. He's a piece of shit. He's a loser. Amar Bradshaw ruined his life. Giants went, went on to win the Super Bowl that year. And then we have Derek Ward clinch, essentially clinching home field advantage in 2008 for the New York Giants. The best team in the league that year if our star receiver, again, doesn't shoot himself in his penis. So that is the Snacks Pantry and... Do you have any qualms? Would you put any in there? No, I do not have any qualms. I like I know Orleans Darkwaz seventy five yard run against the Redskins. We were two and thirteen. So I I would probably include that. Why? Or the run against the Broncos Thursday night football twenty seventeen. We had a he had a big he had okay a big run. okay okay all in the same fucking year where we sucked. I told you they're meaningful runs. They're meaningful to you, but that's meaningful to me. Which one on this list isn't meaningful to the New York Giants? I literally told you that your list is fine. It's not fine. It's perfect. There is no fucking, there is no argument to be made. Now, I ask you again, people, older fans, Joe Clark looking at you. Please tell us some some other running back plays from times that we were not born or early on in our... Or also plays that we're missing, too. That's what I'm saying. Plays yeah. that we're missing or, or anything. Even during our era. Yes. There's one in Dallas for Brandon Jacobs when he does the... Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm. Or in the playoff game when he throws the ball at the shot clock. At the shot clock. The play clock yes, and it yes, breaks yes, the yes, bulb. Yes. Uh, but the, I thought these five were, were truly, truly the ones that stuck out to me. And... Um, yeah, my list is right. I have no qualms. And, uh, you know, Brandon Jacobs, man. Beautiful. All right, so now what we're going to do, we're going to throw it to the interview with Joe Morris, two-time Pro Bowler. He said to me that he is a two-time All-Pro. Now, Pro Football Reference says he's a one-time All-Pro, so I'm, I'm, I don't care. I'm listening to Mr. Morris. Fuck Pro Ro- two, Football Reference. There you go. Fuck them. Pro Football Focus, is that focus, what you're about whatever, to say? Whatever. Two-time All-Pro, one-time Super Bowl champ. He rushed for 5,200 yards, almost. You know what? I'm going to give him 5,300 yards. I'm rounding up. 5,300 yards. He's a friend of the program. In his seven-year Giant career, 48 touchdowns, two-time All-Pro, Giants legendary, Ring of Honor member, Joe Morris. Here it is. Take it away. If my aunt had balls, she'd be my motherfucking uncle, okay? All right, we are live here from Meadowlands Diner. Meadowlands, New Jersey. He's Rutherford. I don't even know where we are. Carlstadt? Carlstadt. There you go. Carlstadt, New Jersey. Meadowlands Diner just broke bread. Had a beautiful meal with Joe Morris, LPG. Woo. Joe Ruback, license plate guy. Nikki Snacks is also here too. But quick little convo with a two-time All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ running back, Joe Morris. How are you, my friend? Oh. It's nice to nice to be chatting with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Very good. So, night full of stories. Night full of great stories and really something that has stuck out to me as just as we've been talking about this entire night is you seem to be the guy and you seem to be the teammate that 
everybody kind of relied on. Like, Carl Banks just showing up at your house for no reason. You have guys and you're telling wide receivers what routes they're supposed to be running. You're telling offensive linemen how they're supposed to be blocking and where they're supposed to be going. Was that your role? Were you kind of like the, I don't want to even say like father figure of the team, but were you that guy where you were the brains behind that offense and how it kind of ran? No, I don't think I was the brains. What I was was somebody that had a idea about what I needed to do. Yeah. And I tried to share that with some of my teammates. And if you can communicate with somebody the way we were communicating then, it made it a lot easier for us. A guy would tell, would say something to me about a certain play. So, Joe, this is what I do best. This is what I can do best. You know, he can't bring it up to his coach, but I can. I'll say to his coach, hey, look, we need to do this because this is what he does best. And if you watch tape of guys and you see them do things in practice, you see them do it enough times, you start to start to see things. And you say, okay. Then it became a thing where in some games I'd have a goal where if a guy got his head on the outside of a guy mm-hmm. and the guy would run with him. We'd have a gash inside that we could run. We could run outside, or we could go inside. Maurice knew that I was going to go inside because that was where it was. He could block the guy on the inside, and I'm still running. And then somebody's got to catch me. And if you catch me, it's fine. But if you don't, I'm going to get 15 yards. Mm-hmm. And that's when we're going to keep going that way. You get feel it, the feel of that. Uh, plays are changed. You start thinking about routes and where people are supposed to be. And where you're supposed to be in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a progression. Guys start to read that and see that. It makes it easier for a team to be successful if everybody knows their job and knows what they're supposed to do. Now, if a guy forgets what he's supposed to be doing, you remind him. It's your job to know that. Yep. You know, I think about this from, from my college career. I played for a taskmaster, Tom Coughlin. He's the type of guy that you're supposed to know everything that everybody's doing on your team, from the offensive linemen to your receivers and to the running backs who play with you. Yep. Uh, you know, it's just the, I never looked at Phil Simms and said, hey, you know, this is cover whatever it is, and mm-hmm. I'm going to cover two, cover three. I never said that because he knew what he was doing. He didn't need that. But if a receiver said, Joe, what am I doing on this route? I said, well, you know, this is what we got the read for. This is what that read is for. You know, if you've got a, if you've got a 15-yard hook or you've got you to hook it up, or if you're hot, you got to mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. For guy, and sometimes guys just for a moment snap, and they say, oh, wow. I, I don't remember. I go, yeah, you do. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And you remind them. He said, Joe, why do you know what I do? I go, because I got to know because I got to play that position. Yeah. I'm not capable of playing that position, but I want to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. And here, and that makes you a better team with more people knowing about what they have to do. Yeah. And knowing, you know, how much of an attention to detail a coach like Bill Parcells is, you know, I guarantee you that comes in handy, especially if you're vouching for playing time. You know, and I even if you're an all pro, even if you're a pro bowler, I mean, every day you got to earn your spot with a guy right. like that. And I guarantee that comes to an impact there. And here's the thing: it's like it was about practice. Mm. Somebody used to ask me, "So, Joe, why do you run ten yards after every run?" I go, "Then run back to the huddle." I said, "I'm getting myself ready for the game." That's how the game goes about. You got to be able to make spurts. You got to be able to go as fast as you can. Yep. And people didn't see that as a way, way to practice, but I said, "That's how you got to practice because you're not getting in shape for the games in practice." That's the time you need to get yeah. ready for the games. Yeah. It's funny how you bring up practice. Um, I love going to Giants training camp. Now, obviously, I'm young, and I know for a fact training camp today and you know the, the dog days of summer are not the dog days of summer of what it, you know, what it used to be when you played, you know, where you're doing two-a-days and not just two-a-days where one padded practice and then you're in another shorts. Two-a-days, 
two full padded practices and you're going all day. So going up against Giants defense, as Giants fans, we love that Giants defense, but I, I have a feeling in, in your brain going up against those guys every day where you know, you're hitting on them and then especially if they're hitting on you. Um, did you, did you uh, appreciate and love that Giants defense as much as we did, especially playing them in camp every day in August? I think that what you have to understand, this is a group of talented players yeah. that knew they were a unit that made them their, their strong point. And they came at you every day in practice. You knew they were going to be there. But trust me, our offense was not what our defense was. Right. But here's the thing. Now, th- there is that one equalizer that comes in. Short yards and, and down by the goal line, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. becomes a different kind of game down there mm-hmm. because you've got to get the ball in the end zone for the offense as fair and the defensive player, you've got to stop them. Now, I told the guys, I said, look, guys, this is live. This is real. We're down by the goal line. And short yards, this is real, just yeah. so you know. But, you know, you, you work against people like that. Think about this. Think about trying to block Lawrence Taylor. I'm like, okay, most, most running backs never think about no. But, uh, you know, you, you got that. Oh, come on, Banks. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Carson. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, Byron, Byron Hunt's 6'5". Six, six, and I'm yeah. thinking, I'm on a block out. And, you know, you know and, and, uh, if you slide the line to him, didn't you, didn't, didn't you own up free safety or Harry Carson? So you, you got to deal with things, and things come up in a game plan. So if you could compete with our team, and if our offense could, could do some things against our, our, our defense, right. then we knew we were ready for Absolutely. the games. 86-87, obviously a special team, right? Every, every Super Bowl winning team is a special team. You know, and we, we look back on it now. No matter when, when we won a Super Bowl as Giants fans, we look back on those teams and say, wow, those are special teams. But in the moment, while you're playing with that team, while you're playing in that season, are you thinking about, like, hey, this is a special team, I know we got something? Or are you in every day in the grind and you're not thinking about that until you kind of put the pads off and take them off in the month of February? Hardest thing that we had that year happened to us, had to go play Chicago in Chicago. Mm. That game would have been a middle end, it would have been a different game. But we've seen there's another level of play that we need to lift ourselves to when we when we watch Chicago play. Uh, it, it was humiliating to lose to get the way we did. It's, it frustrated us. But think about this. The day after I got back from the Pro Bowl that year, I started training. Hmm. Just started running, started walking. Think about the things that I could have did better in the in the season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, you know, when you want to get back at it that quick and you want to start back, you want to start training, getting ready, you know you're going to get ready. And we had the formula. We were the team that people didn't want to play. And that's what we were trying to try to end toward. And, you know, the 86 season started out this way. We, we tried to get all the home games at home so we could mm-hmm. play all the teams that we had to play at home. And it worked out exactly. You yeah. go 14 and 2 in the regular season, you lose two games. You lose to the Dallas Cowboys the first night, or lose to Seattle. One or two games you lost all year. There were struggles, there were some, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but we worked toward a thing. We always felt like we had a chance. And when we got the ball and a chance to put people away, we put people away. Yeah. 
you know, listen, we beat a Redskin team that was very, very good. We beat them three times. Yeah, and that NFC Championship game, you know, you talk about having home field advantage. There probably wasn't a game, maybe even in franchise history, where it wasn't so important to have home field advantage as that NFC Championship game where the wind was blowing in all these different directions. Parcells makes the decision at kickoff to, you know, we're, we're going to go into the wind, you know, and that's that was the difference in that game right there. Exactly, because... That win played a big factor in that game. And, and, you know, we were able to run and do some things against that. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. It changed the complexion of the game because in the second quarter, we could throw the ball. We started throwing it. Yeah. And the guy said to me, he says, you know, you guys are actually pretty good. I go, yeah. <laughs> kind of funny how that works we'll out. Figure. We'll figure. So, Joe, I want to thank you for sitting down. I have one more question for you because you really have – Almost, I asked you, do you have like that photogenic memory that almost like Sean McVay of the Rams talks about? He can remember a specific play from like 2013. You said, not really, you know, <laughs> with a few too many hits that had, but I want to ask you, because you do have an impeccable memory about specific instances, specific plays, players that you've played with. What is the play that you are proudest of in your NFL career? It could be a five yard run that it was initially going to be a seven-yard loss, but a play that you are very, very proud of as a running back. And I'm going to go try, and I'm going to find it, and I'm going to post it. Okay. Um, uh, 1986, we were out playing the San Francisco 49ers out there. Um, The 49ers decided that they were going to stop me all game long. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's two plays from this game that I want to remind, remind people about. I was seven carries for minus... I guess mine six, seven yards. On third down, I got 14 yards when I was supposed to get one. Yep. That's one of the plays. Then that night, when they were stopping me from running, I caught a touchdown pass on a play that we would run up a lot of times and still threw me the ball. I caught the ball in the end zone. And it was one of the plays you just think. We came back and won that game with our defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 17 14, we beat. San Francisco there. It foreshadowed for everybody that we were capable of doing whatever we had to do. You stop Joe Morris, you can't beat, you didn't stop Phil Sims. If you stop Phil Sims, you can't stop Joe Morris. We gave them something more on offense and on defense. Defense played their hearts out all the time. But the offense had to step up. As we got better on offense, our team got better. Beautiful. Joe Morris. You can't stop Joe Morris. (laughs) Super Bowl champ. That's going to do it for the Meadowlands Diner, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on. Chat soon. Peace.